It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I was at the game on Sunday chasing my kids around the ballpark. My daughter got to hang out with Screech. They ate ice cream. My son threw up peanuts and ice cream everywhere. It was a fun time. Can I say two things? One, I'm really impressed with your ability to remember what show it is that we're that we're on. Thank you. If you put a firearm to my head and we're like, what show is it? Or everyone you love is gone. I'd be like, I, 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 let me say goodbye to all my loved ones. I have no idea. It's amazing you can do that, that's number one. Number two, going to games with little kids. Well, an awesome thing. You're like passing the grand old game down to everybody else, and it's just a beautiful, wonderful thing, yada, yada, yada. It's not fun. It's just not. It's not as much fun. You'll never convince me that it is. So I view it a lot like I viewed going to Disney World. We had a similar conversation then where you said something along the lines of, don't take your kids to Disney World. You're going to be miserable. And I did it anyway. And basically what I would tell you about going to a game is, is the same as what I said then, which is there are these really amazing, cute, precious moments I'll remember forever. For every like hour of stress and angry time that they're running around or they cut someone off or someone bumps into them and they cry or whatever happens, there's this moment where my daughter sees Josh Bell on the scoreboard and points to him and says, Josh Bell, Josh Bell, and goes crazy. And as a three-year-old girl, I think that that's awesome uh, that she is plugged in like that. Or when she hears Juan Soto's name over the loudspeaker, she starts jumping up and down. Or when she's just screaming in sheer joy because the president's race is going on. So there's enough to get me through the day where I'm like, this is a good thing. But you're right. It is yeah. high stress. Yeah, you're doing the right. I'm not saying you're doing the wrong thing. I need a vacation right. after I take my kids to a baseball you're game. You're doing the right things, and it's awesome. It's being a parent. I mean, I did it. You know, I, I spent a, a second mortgage on ice cream uh, in catcher's helmets, and we had to get Dippin' Dots three different times, and cotton candy You're pretty much instantly. over it now, though. You don't really do it. Well, it, it hasn't happened much. I mean, pandemic <laughs> happened, I'll yeah. say. We, we didn't go to a ton of games uh, with my kids. But, I've, you know, I've done it several times. But you each put one, in your time. Yeah, each one, it's like... Here we go. (laughs) Like sign of the cross beforehand. Let's tee it up. Yeah, I think they've probably been to like five or six games this year. It's awesome. Matinee baseball is their thing. So yesterday my daughter was walking up to the center field gate out on uh, South Capitol Street. or What is that? Half Street right there? Yep. And she said, um, she's like, yay, it's baseball day. National screech. And that right there. There It was worth the trip. I just wanted to give her a hug. All right. So they take two out of three from the Brewers. Let's just go through some of the things going on with this team right now. Starting with, you wanted to have a Lane Thomas conversation. He was on the show on our last podcast. What Lane Thomas discussion would you like to have? So he's been scalding hot of late. Uh, You know the numbers. Uh, He's been really, really good hitting the ball all of a sudden after a dismal start. And 
these hot streaks and its recency effect, obviously, as he's been tearing the cover off the ball. And, and he's, even a game the other day, he didn't have uh, any hits, but he was on base a couple of times at the top of the order. By no means am I saying that uh, this is the real Lane Thomas, you know, the guy that hits 400 for, for a few weeks at a time. But he may be one of those guys that, given a full sample size of a season, is going to accumulate his back of the baseball card good, positive, crooked numbers in spurts. There are the guys that get five hits per week, and you can set your watch by them, and I'll hit my 286, and I'll, and I'll do it with a, in a very consistent way. Then there are dudes that you know accumulate all the, the good numbers over the span of really a, a small fraction of their at-bats, and then kind of the rest of the time are you know maybe below Major League average. I guess I'm kind of wondering. I know I'm a little bit higher on him, I think, than you are, big picture, as a, as a potential piece for a good team. Is there a chance that Lane Thomas is an answer and not just somebody that's here right now, you know, wearing a uniform? So I, I guess I would answer your question with a question, which is to say, what do you want to be? Like, what are we building here? I think Lane Thomas can be a starting outfielder for sure on a second division team. He could be one of your top couple outfielders on a, like what what's happening right now. He's in the mix on a given day to be their best outfielder, not named Juan Soto, right? They're one of the worst teams in baseball. If you're trying to win a championship, look at the best teams in the sport, the Yankees, the Dodgers, you know, clubs like that. He's not a starter, in my opinion. What I do believe about Lane Thomas, who's 26, is that he is a major league player. I think on that team, he serves a really nice purpose. He can run. He can field. He's got a little bit of pop. Like, all the tools for me, on a, the right day, you can see him at big league average or or a hair above on, in some things. So I think he's athletic enough. He's good enough defensively. He provides enough offensively that I believe he's a big leaguer. This is not some triple-A Timmy. Do I think he's a starter, I guess, is really what you're asking a couple of years from now when they're good again. And my answer to that would be no. And I hope I'm wrong because I root for him. I like him. He was on the podcast. He's an awesome dude. I like his game a lot. These are the types of players I think that you need in your organization. But, look, you're right. He's hitting 333 in his last seven, and that's with a one for seven Saturday and Sunday, really cooling him off. He's hitting 296 in his last 15. He's 16 for 54 at the plate, and he's got four home runs in that time. So he's this has been a heater over the last couple of weeks that kind of cancel out what happened at the start of the season. And I think what he's been this year, I guess, is my point is what he is. He's hitting about 240. He's getting on base at about 300 on the nose. His OPS is 714 because he's got a decent slug. He's got six homers. He's driven in over 20 runs. I think this sample that we have of two-plus months is kind of what I view him as. I think he'll be streaky. He can get hot. He will be cold. And he's probably a mid-200s hitter who is a low 300s on base type guy, not going to draw a ton of walks, who for me is probably a fourth outfielder on a really good team. That's kind of how I view him. So I've got I've got that plus maybe a little bit in my eval. Like the, the guy who reminds me of in terms of how we get here, right, to those numbers that you talked about, because I agree with you. Over, over your 162-game sample, if he plays every day, I think there's going to be a month where you go, oh, crap, it's Lane Thomas. When he comes up with first and second and two outs, you're going, you know, Everyone pick up your gloves. Make sure you're ready to go play defense, right? And right now, you're happy when he comes up but in right those now, spots because yes, he's rolling. But right now, he's scolding. The guy he reminds me of is Michael A. Taylor. I mean, that's how – If but you get Michael A. Taylor certain samples like spring training or the postseason, that dude's awesome. That dude can do something really, really special. But you kind of have to put up with some of the 
yeah, we're you know we're over for the last seventeen with fourteen strikeouts, and and you know it looks mechanical, and he, like every pitch is either behind the fastball, in front of the breaking ball, or or, or otherwise. But he's toolsy, not as toolsy maybe as Taylor can't run or, or or throw like Michael Taylor can. But at the plate, that's kind of who I I comp. And it, it's if your team is good enough, you could sort of afford to deal with valleys from a guy like this in the hopes that you kind of get him at, at the right spot, you know, come a pennant chase time or maybe come a playoff series. And, you know, you're, you'd like to do better than Lane Thomas. And, again, I'm not trying to beat the guy up. He's a, he's a good dude. He's a, uh, you know, quality, decent enough major leaguer. But we're talking about trying to get back to championship window again, trying to get back to a 2019 type thing. He could be somebody that if your regular guy isn't, you know, firing or has a sprained ankle or something like that. Like, you know, where Victor Robles had a, a bum hamstring. You throw Michael A. Taylor in center field, he's going to make a few big plays for you. He hit the home run in the in the dark shadows, that weird contrast against Adam Wainwright, the only offense for about seven hours in game, uh, I think it was game number two, against the Cardinals. He's going to do some things every now and again that you go, you know what, I'm glad he's here. You have to put up with some stuff, but I think he can be helpful. So it's I, I, I have your evaluation like not quite a third outfielder, on a really good team, but it's like a four plus, if that makes any sense. So for me, and it's not to parse up like I'm staring at one tree in the forest you just gave and arguing. It's as if it's more to just drill down on what he is. Like the Michael A. Taylor comp, Taylor's got more power, Taylor's faster, Taylor's oh, a better more defensive more player. Toolsy. So that's why it doesn't work. It's like he's Michael A. Taylor, but this is different, this is different, this is different. <laughs> I just sort of mean at the plate, like the process of getting the numbers. In that he's streaky and he'll strike out from time to time? Yeah. And then you're going to have two months where he's hitting under 200 and you get really frustrated. And then he's going to have some unbelievable moments where you're like, oh, look, the tools. Remember the tools? I mean, look, in 2018, he did hit 27 home runs in a minor league season. Uh, that year he hit 264, but he had an OPS over 800. For his minor league career, he's a 755 OPS guy. End of his minor league career in AAA, AA, he was over 800. So he's shown some of that power. But yeah, I just, I think that. Uh, he is a guy that I would I would trade for if I needed a bench outfielder. Like, I like the player. Uh, right now, you're just kind of asking a lot of him, I think. All right, let's pivot to Patrick Corbin, who is on the rundown today as well, because he has thrown pretty well in two straight starts. Last outing we saw him was Saturday against the Brewers. His line's a bit deceiving because he pitched in the seventh and ran out of gas, but six innings, seven hits, four earned runs, two walks and two strikeouts. He has gone six innings in consecutive starts. He's flirted with quality starts now in consecutive starts. Patrick Corbin, last time out, Danny, I can dive into some of the specifics from his outing, but what are we thinking right now? He's no longer, oh, my God, Patrick Corbin's pitching. Is he going to get out of the third inning? That's not what's happening right Right. now. So once out of every three starts, you're still getting that disaster Oh my God! What are we doing? I think seven runs and four and a third, three starts ago. That's better than every start. Well, it's true, but which that's, is what happened for most of two years. And I know we're, we're setting the bar pretty low here, but it is it is progress. The strikeout numbers aren't there, which is something I want to dive into here in a second. But you're right his his last outing totally color different because he started the seventh inning four straight hits. You know, sort of just like that. And when he was cruising, one throw, one run through six, changed the eye line of, of how his outing looked, right? So if you if he sits down after six innings, handshakes, hugs, we're going, that's awesome. Patrick Corbin lowered his ERA. This is a nice outing, maybe without, you know, punching guys out at the rate that we're used to seeing. But that would have been really nice. Unfortunately, you know, you get those crooked numbers there in the seventh and in a ball game that they win. But I want to touch on this, this one element of a GP. You said it. Two strikeouts his last go-round. 
Five the outing before that, but he's been in the kind of the five or less in the majority of his outings over the last several times out there. And I'm wondering if this is maybe, maybe we're doing it this way now. Maybe you can't put guys away. So let's try to make a bargain. Let's try to say, hey, let's do some contact. You want to get this about over with? So do I. I'll throw some strikes. Maybe we'll do it this way. The maybe, problem, maybe though, is he better way. locate because he doesn't well, have stuff no good kidding. enough to pitch to contact. But, I mean, look, Paolo Espino slows you away and, and pitches to contact. Like, you could do it if you're not missing in the big part of the plate. His last start on Saturday against Milwaukee, he threw 27 sliders, about 26% of his pitches, got 11 swings and five swings and misses. They were five of his six swings and misses in the entire game. He threw 34 fastballs and got one swing and a miss. He's not going to be able to miss bats with his fastball anymore. That's just not a thing. I just don't think it's a thing, yeah. And by the way, he touched 94-plus miles per hour. It's not like he's throwing 89. Like he, he touched 95 in that start. But if you're looking at movement and life and those things, clearly uh, there's, there's not enough deceptiveness or life because you swing 19 times, you make contact on 18 of those times against the four-seamer. Total on the fastballs, you know, you swing – 34 times, you're swinging and missing once. Um, he did do a pretty good job, I think, keeping Milwaukee off balance in that he had 12 called strikes on fastballs, which is a pretty high number when you don't offer it a fastball because maybe you're thinking slider or something else. His best pitch, and it always will be, the slider, about 37% of the sliders he threw were either swings and misses or called strikes, which is a really, really nice CSW percentage. So he's been a double-digit Ks per nine guy a couple different times in his career, and when he was at double digits, it was upper eights, right? He, he's had put-away strikeout stuff. That guy's gone. He has the same strikeout rate as he did last year where he was you know, the most hit pitcher, basically, in Major League Baseball. And everybody as they age in sports has to kind of go through a, a renaissance of sorts. So there's the occasional freak of nature that continues to do it the way they did it before, the Tom Brady's of the world. But for the most part, if you'd like to stay at the highest levels of the sport – you have to sort of reinvent yourself. And the guys that struggle to do that oftentimes are sort of the bright, shining stars that end up you know, fading away. We don't hear from them again. The guys that are great starting pitchers for two years, three years, five years, whatever. And as the game changes, as your stuff changes, the, the guy that, with the best example of that is Zach Grinke. When he came up, he was mid to upper 90s. His stuff was nasty. Now he's, you know... He's like John Burkett at this point, just throwing nothing but change-ups and two-seamers and, and you know, 62-mile-an-hour curveballs and the like. Patrick Corbin may be reinventing himself on the fly here before our eyes. And it's not going to be as good as it was, but is it useful? Is it now an albatross? Is it a black cloud hanging over the organization in terms of a contract they can't get out of? Or is he somebody that could be useful every fifth day and get you through five, six innings the way he's doing it now? I, I, I'm hoping it's – you can hear what I'm hearing my voice. I'm just looking for something, You're man. talking yourself I'm, into something. I'm just desperately grasping at something as I slide down the mountain. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Is, that, is that a root? Your death is that is... pitch of the contact? Is that a sinker? <laughs> your death is imminent, and you're just sliding, and you're grabbing at little twigs, and yeah. you just keep falling. Uh, but uh, shtick aside, to me what he's done this year – He's pitched like a fifth starter on a good team. If you post every fifth day and you occasionally give me six or so innings and save my bullpen and you're competitive and more often than not over the last month and a half anyway, you know, you've been able to navigate like after you give up an early big inning, you settle back in. That's what a fifth starter does. So there's look, the the money is never going to be even with performance anymore based on what you're paying. Right. That's done. But if he is a rosterable 
fifth starter who serves a purpose. Best case scenario, he can throw okay and you might have the lead. Worst case scenario, he's going to eat innings today. He's going to wear it and pitch six or so innings and your bullpen will be better off because of it. There is value in that. And there just wasn't the last couple of years probably. Uh, But we're in a way better situation with him than we were. I think anybody would admit that. And the team, while I don't think they're ever going to be thrilled again with kind of what they're getting out of him, like they have to like what is happening at this point based on the last couple of years. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of liking what is happening, next on the docket, Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia has been called up to the major leagues. He is already on his max exit velocity, gone to the 92nd percentile in the big leagues. He runs a little bit better than I thought he did, too. Yep. He almost beat out a ball yesterday. Uh, I was really impressed by when he was digging down the line. Now, it's funny to say that because in the same game on Sunday against the Brewers, he got thrown out by 16 miles, and I didn't know what he was doing trying to get to second base. But uh, he's hitting 372 so far. Utterly unsustainable. I understand that. His expected batting average, though, 355. Like, it's not like he's 372 and it should be 291. He is hitting missiles. Exit velocity, launch angle, all those things that they're going to look at are portending to good things in the future for Luis Garcia. If you compare him to what we've seen when he's been called up in the past, and I you know, I, I hesitate to really go deep into a lot of this stuff because the sample size is so small, but he looks much more competent, much more comfortable. He's taking pitches that he didn't before. I've been really, really impressed. His chase percentage uh, last year uh, and this year is still probably higher than I want. But uh, there's a lot of things that he's doing differently than before, like uh, first pitch swing percentage, big adjustment he's made. In the past, he went up there and he swung at the first pitch about 35% of the time over the last two years. He's over 50% right now. Like, he's here to chew bubblegum and and put a barrel on a ball, and he's all out of bubblegum. I've really liked what I've seen. It mechanically, reminds me a lot of a young Robinson Cano. And I'm not making the comp because Cano was, was incredible, uh, but just the approach, the way he stands at the plate, etc., Here's what's going to happen. Right now, you know, guys, the book on him is from before. Let's go right after him. Nothing to see here, right? He's a young kid. Now that he's hitting a little bit, you're going to see guys try to get him to expand the zone a little bit more. And you've seen it already. Only one walk, I think, seven strikeouts since he's been back up. Then the adjustment period happens, right? Are you chasing? Are you doing them any favors? And that plate discipline, that preternatural thing that Juan Soto was born with, that a lot of these you know younger players don't really get to learn, especially at the minor league level, where guys are just kind of you know working mechanics and, and not really locating to that unbelievable nth degree that the guys in the show do. That's going to be kind of the next phase. So the slump is coming. That happens. You're right, as you said, it's unsustainable hitting you know 370 as it is, and stuff is too good. He's going to start to have to make that first adjustment, and then you're going to have to pick your and choose your and still fire off your A-hack when they give you that rare mistake or they finally do challenge as you get into a plus count. Working counts, making sure he's not hitting their pitch, because you, you hit enough, you tattoo enough pitches in the middle of the zone, pitchers take notice. 
Right? The advanced scouts have seen it now. We're going through a couple times against first division clubs. The Braves, who have ripped off, I think, 11 or 12 straight come to town here as of uh, this recording. The Phillies, who've been on fire since they fired their manager. These games matter to them. They're not just going to let Luis Garcia smack the ball off the wall a bunch of times. They're going to make him earn it. Those adjustments are what make the really good big leaguers. And I can't wait to see that. That's kind of the thing. That, that's part of the game within the game, the small under kind of, a, you know, one of those hidden story type processes that I'm giddy about watching Luis Garcia make the adjustment. Because as you said, if they throw a strike, he's going to spank it. And that's better than it was. That's really encouraging. There's a lot to like here, but I can't wait to see the adjustment period that's coming. Yeah, he's swinging in the strike zone more often. His hard hit percentage in 2020 was about 30%. In 2021 was 31%, pretty consistent. This year it's 49%. It's up about 18%, which is kind of the biggest leap or or jump that he's made, among some other pretty substantial ones. But exit velocity, which was 83 and 86 the last two years we saw him, is now over 90 on average. So he's hitting the ball a lot harder. Uh, I still have high hopes defensively. It's interesting at shortstop. Every time I've kind of written the book and decided he's not a shortstop, he makes a pretty marvelous play to the point where I I know he can play the position if need be. I don't know that consistently he will ever be mechanically sound and uh, sharp enough on the boring plays, just the routine plays, that you want him to be your everyday shortstop. I, I view him as... Whether it's second or third or whatever, I mean, third is not something he's really played any of, but I'm sure he could play the position. Probably a second baseman next year and beyond. And when your shortstop, whoever that is, needs a day off, he can move over there and do it just fine. But there, right now, I would say that when he makes, the, you know, if there's bases loaded, you're trying to get out of a jam, he goes to the backhand, he's got to make a long throw. I have no confidence that that throw is going to the chest of Josh Bell. And that's a little bit of a problem, I would say. To me, he's a second baseman. And that's, it sounds like it's an insult. It sounds like it's a knock. It isn't. Playing shortstop in the major leagues is really hard. It's like one of, only a handful of guys get to do it. Everybody comes up as a shortstop. And to his credit, I think he could do it adequately. Yeah. But if you're looking for a stellar or a really good defensive shortstop, and I think that's important, I'm just not sure if he'll ever routinely be a guy who keeps his error count low and, and makes all the routine plays. There, there have been moments, certainly, where you go, damn. That's really good. The one I pointed to on, on their, our regular Grant and Danny show was in a, in a blowout. I think it was a blowout loss in Miami because they now can't beat Miami, which is just weird how, how times have changed. But they threw out um, Jesus Aguilar at home plate by you know 15 feet. Ball to the wall. Robles goes and gets it. Quick relay throw. Garcia, instead of coming to get the throw and catching it in the air, okay, the ball's going to short, is, is going to take an in-between hop. He gives with it shuffles towards home plate, gets it on a short hop, and in the same motion as he's shuffling, fires a strike to home plate to get Aguilar. That's as big league a play and an underrated thing for an infielder. That's only going to happen, what, once or twice a week you're going to fire a throw off at most where you're where you're not doing you know the, the, the routine room service two hopper to first base or turn to the double play or kind of the, the normal conventional things. That was a big-time, major-league, wow-type play that, you know, he made look easy, made look effortless. It's not. I'm telling you, that play was ridiculous. And then I'm kind of going, Danny, are you wrong? Could he play shortstop? Is that the thing that they see that, that he's able to do? So I, I still think he profiles as, as a second baseman, but there, there's been enough where I have a little bit of doubt about my eval. That was a long way of saying that. Last thing on the to-do list would be what to do at the back of the rotation. 
So you have Paolo Espino and Evan Lee basically vying, it would seem like, for the fifth starter spot now with Yohan Adon sent to AAA. And by the way, Adon pitched in AAA. And I didn't see if he got removed from the game for any other reason other than ineffectiveness. But he basically threw like two innings and walked a bunch of guys and gave up hits and threw over 60 pitches in those two innings and was done in his first AAA start. So he's got plenty of work to do, obviously. But I went to the game on Sunday, and I, a couple days earlier I'd gotten tickets thinking Evan Lee was going to pitch because why wouldn't he? And then I found out Paolo Espino was starting, and I, I can't tell you how annoyed I was by that. And I tweeted something along the lines of, you know, came to the game to see Evan Lee, about to watch Paolo Espino, let the kids play. And Paolo Espino, as is normally the case, was pretty effective and did what he did. A couple innings, he threw, and then he was out of the game, and then Evan Lee came in, and Evan Lee would give up a two-run homer, and someone said, Guess they should have stuck with Paolo, and you don't understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) Paolo Espino could throw a perfect game, okay? That doesn't help me much. I'm not here to win the baseball game on Sunday. Evan Lee's future, way more important than Paolo Espino throwing six good innings or seven good innings. And I say that to say that Espino, who is 35, who was drafted quite literally in 06 when I was a senior in high school, 16 years ago, when Evan Lee was eight years old, God bless him. I, I, what he's given this team over the last couple of years, I've been stunned by. I'm impressed. He is fun to watch because he's crafty. He's got a role right now. He is a long reliever. Keep him in that two, three-inning role. Stretch him out. If you want to piggyback him with Evan Lee because you're going to get let Lee only go four or five innings and you have Paolo season go on those days, no problem. But Evan Lee at 24, trying to develop a changeup, trying to become a major league pitcher, you called him up. But let's let the kids Right now is the time. Let them do their thing. Let them develop. For years, you shouldn't have done that. We didn't do that. Guys yeah, like Joe Ross games. Carter Keyboom or whoever, like they can't develop. Lucas Giolito, we have no time for you. We got to go get Adam Eaton and some help because uh, I'm not going to sit and watch Reynaldo Lopez learn how to pitch. I'm trying to win a World Series. This is now the time where it's about Evan Lee. If he gets rocked, he gets rocked. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But I am here to develop pitchers. And this is going to be very telling to me what they do. Remember, Luis Garcia wouldn't be here probably if not for an injury. That's right. To Alcides Escobar. Uh, I've already forgotten his name. Alcides Escobar. If Alcides Escobar doesn't get hurt, who is in his mid-30s and starting for some reason I don't understand, then Luis Garcia wouldn't even be here, who's been the most fun thing about the team to watch over the last couple of weeks. Similarly, in this rotation, Danny, if they go with Espino over Evan Lee, it's going to drive me nuts. And I know what they're thinking. In their minds, they go, Evan Lee screams, multi-inning reliever. He's a guy that can go through the lineup once. You don't like him the second time. He's only really got two pitches. I get it. Like, he is a three-inning big leaguer guy, four-inning big league guy right now, probably tops. But my point would be, they're thinking about this as to, like, how to win the most games. To me, that shouldn't be the priority. The priority should be, how do we get him to to be more effective the second time through? How do we get him over some hurdles? And I want to do that at the major league level, and if they're not going to, then send him down to the minors to stretch him out and let him throw six innings at a time at at AAA Rochester. It's the point of development, and and what I mean by that is, for years and years and years, you you wouldn't see any of this stuff take place at the big league level. Right, just because the the way development went, the way this would all be down on the farm. He would the guys that turn in that were closers, that were high inning or high re, uh, leverage relievers in, in key innings, all were starters at one point. Because when you warm up in the bullpen that day and you go, "Oh crap, I don't have my stuff. What do I do? 
you figure it out. You figure out a way to get out. So you go through those days where you don't feel great. You go through feeling good, feeling bad. My fastball's got extra juice today. What do I do? I'm overcooking my breaking ball. How do I get out? All those things happen. And they used to happen down on the farm. Now, because the, the emphasis is on young players and controllability, we, we see guys maybe sooner before they're you know sort of finished uh, baking in the oven. Think of Yoan Adone, for example. And I'm hoping, by the way, they didn't shatter the dude's confidence. We have to rebuild him now from, from scratch. That's discouraging to hear uh, what he did at his first minor league outing. But that's a digression. Evan Lee should be failing right now. Evan Lee, who just started really pitching full-time a, a couple of years ago, should be Hey man, this is this is what I can and can't do. These are all viable, teachable moments. These are lessons learned type things, and channeling him into a role that he might occupy in a couple of seasons. I know that sounds good, but but this is the time to to let him go out there and get knocked around. If you believe he can handle it, if, if his psyche can handle getting shelled at the major league level, then you let him do that. If not, then he needs to be down in AAA or or AA, wherever you want to slide him. This is about going through adversity. This is about emerging on the other side, ready to contribute on a major league club. And him pitching out of the bullpen after Paolo Espino, who, as you said, is 35 years old, I don't necessarily see the upside of the benefit, maybe the way that they do, because they're trying to instill something. They're trying to have a winning culture, do things the Nationals' way. That all sounds great. I need to see Evan Lee go through the ups and downs. If you're wondering, by the way, is Evan Lee the guy that eats a Papa John's pizza every single night? I am wondering that. He is that guy. Cole Henry told us about a teammate of his and a roommate of his who never eats at the ballpark with the spread that the nutritionist for the Nats provides because he always goes back to the hotel or his uh, place where they stay and uh, has a Papa John's large pizza waiting for him. Yes, that was Evan Lee, who sticks to the four major food groups of Cracker Barrel, Chick-fil-A, Olive Garden, and Papa John's. I forgot about Olive Garden. I was like, what's the, I remember the first three. I forgot about Olive Garden. 